We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Chris Biederman. I write for the Sacramento Bee. Joining us today on this podcast, right after I plug Cooperage, is Tabor Pepper, the long snapper for the 49ers. Uh, always a fun conversation when Tabor joins the show. We had Debo Samuel on earlier this week. If you have not listened to that podcast, I encourage you to listen to it either before or after this one. A, a good conversation with Debo. Um, so check that one out. Uh, we will have our Cooperage six-pack after the Tabor Pepper ep- uh, interview um, on this episode. So Kyle will be back and we will preview the 49ers game on Sunday against the Chargers. But first, I have to mention this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Cooperage Brewing. Go to cooperagebrewing.com to order any of their delicious beers. They will ship anywhere within the state of California. Obviously, you must be 21 or older to purchase. Or if you're in the Santa Rosa area, go to Cooperage brewing just go to the brewery it's off piner road and and airway um it is a fantastic place some of my favorite people in the world work there and you should just check it out good vibes uh seven santa rosa part of the 707 say it backwards my hometown love it very much um all right Tabor pepper let's go blue wire hey this is george kittle and you're listening to candlestick chronicles has got him and a sack him back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown 49ers. All right, 49ers long snapper Tabor Pepper is here back on the show. I think this is your second time. Tabor, how's it going, man? Good. How about you? Oh, can't complain. Can't complain. So, um... I think so. We were talking a little bit about it, uh, just sort of the bye week. You're you're very good friends with your neighbors. You went back to Michigan for the bye week. You started to tell tell a story about how how you're good friends with your neighbors. Um, I don't know my neighbors here where I am currently. <laughs> I, I've only been living here for uh, I don't know in since February. But I'm curious, like what's what's the relationship like with your neighbors? That's that's unique. Uh, we just live on an, on an awesome street, and there's about. Well, pretty much everyone like directly across from us and down, like we're all really good friends. We get together and, you know, we'll have drinks on the driveway, depends on whose house it is. And then uh, our, my neighbor 
<clears throat> across the street from me has an awesome basement and uh <laughs> one one week we were down at another neighbor's and we started singing karaoke and everybody i mean people were up till 4 a.m i think singing karaoke so <laughs> our neighbor across the street has a great basement and he got speakers he got like a a curtain thing that looks like a stage and then he yeah. got like a mic stand and like a full karaoke thing and like we'll do karaoke like three weekends in a row do you have a go-to or like a handful of go-to karaoke songs uh yeah like, like what uh, like, like war pigs from black sabbath is a fun <laughs> one uh tyler childers is good um and then like i mean Chennai twain sure any Every- like toto africa type yeah. stuff stuff like that yeah very cool all right <laughs> well well that's fun um so coming off the bye week just looking at the 49ers season as a whole and kyle and i have talked about it uh, a lot we you know we expected you guys to be contenders like nfc contenders you you, you this team is has made deep runs in the playoffs two of the last three years there's you know the the whole sort of awkwardness i guess trying to incorporate trey lance a young quarterback onto a contending team. He gets hurt. You guys lose two out of your first three, um, three, you, you fall to three and four with the Kansas city game. And then you really start to look like yourselves against the Rams, which has happened now twice this year and twice last year in the regular season. Just from your perspective, what, what's the season been like for you guys, given that there are expectations um, you guys know how good you can be, but the record at four and four might not necessarily be what you want. Yeah, I think everyone knows the amount of talent that we have on the team, um, especially since we received a certain running back from the Panthers. Um, and I think that kind of gives everybody a sense of urgency as well. Like, you know, we were a team built to win already, and now you give us this other weapon. Like, let's see what we can do. And Obviously, Debo wasn't available last week, so I think it's going to be super fun uh, to see the game against the Chargers. But yeah, I mean, we all know what we're capable of. Um, one really cool thing is like just how many guys we retained from last year. I think it was something like mid twenties, maybe, of yeah. of guys returning on the roster, and pretty much all um, your starters, with the exception of like Lakin and yeah, DJ, um, yeah, a couple other guys, which you know, I miss those guys a lot, just, just as, as guys and and teammates. Um, but yeah, I mean, you drop the first, you know, the first and the third game and, you know, you can blame it on the weather, this and that, but there's plenty of opportunities throughout those games for us, for us to win. So you, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey. I'm curious, like what it's like in a locker room, for you know like team vibes when something like that happens right because you guys you guys know you're good but you're not you know I'm sure you guys don't really have any clue like what to expect at the trade deadline and I'm sure you're probably not expecting to get an all pro caliber player injected to the offense just just what did that do for for morale and and what were those conversations like in in the locker room that you guys were having yeah I think it well, I remember when it happened, I was doing a, a stream opening Pokemon packs, like for auction, people were buying these <laughs> and, and I'm in the middle of this. And like the grand prize was a drawing for two tickets to the game that weekend. And so there's football fans in there and I'm opening and all of a sudden the, the chat just floods with CMC, CMC to SF, CMC. And I'm like going crazy. Like what the hell is happening? But I think it was just a clear message of like, 
we got a roster that can win. Now let's inject some jet fuel in it. And kind of, I think that was kind of the, I think everybody just kind of had like a head shaking, nodding moment. Like, all right, like this, this is what we're doing. Is that something that's like needed sometimes? Because I would assume like, I mean, your group has been together for a while now and NFL seasons are difficult. And when you're dealing with injuries like you guys have, I'd imagine there's a certain level of frustration dealing with injuries. You're, you know, hovering around the 500 mark instead of, you know, winning as many games as you would expect. Does that like, was it a needed change for you guys? Just like a morale boost that, that might've, you might've been lacking had you not made that trade? It's hard for me to say because I've been on pretty different teams and different situations in my career. Like my rookie year, I was on uh, the Packers and my second game for the Packers, Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone and Brett Hundley was up. So that was a different situation. And I think that year was the first year in like a decade they hadn't made the playoffs. Uh, then my next year was with the Dolphins and it was tank for two a year. And so it, it's hard for me to say because I feel like I've been in very different situations, but yeah, I mean, you know, kind of the injury bug that um, happened in 2020 isn't fun. And, you know, every, I think everybody sees the stats of where the Niners fall in terms of number of injuries, but um, it's a next man up league. And yeah, I mean, you said it with the Rams games is like, we get a taste of like what we play our best against the Rams. I think that's undeniable. I think that, it's been that way the last four years. Um, and to me personally, like that gives me the confidence, like, this is what we're capable of. Like, let's go out there. Obviously, you know, my job is very specialized and I'm on the field, probably eight snaps a game, but you know, it's good to see it on our, on our guys face that they, you know, knowing what they're capable of. Hey, can I ask you about Aaron Rodgers? I'm curious what sure. he's like as, as a teammate. Cause I mean, as, as a media member, you know, I've seen Aaron, I've seen him at the golf tournament now in Tahoe a couple of years in a row. Um, admittedly not the most affable guy when it comes to, when it comes to us and reporters. Um, I'm just curious, like if he's, what kind of teammate he is, if, if that's, if that's just kind of a front he puts on for the media and when he doesn't want to talk to guys. And obviously there's, you know, it seems like perpetually in the off season, there's controversy sort of surrounding him, which would make it so he doesn't want to talk, but as a, as a teammate, what, what's he like behind the scenes in the locker room? Um, I have one story that I can tell you off the podcast. (laughs) I can tell you after it's not too bad, but it's a little much, but, uh, uh, the other story I can tell you is, um, well, I guess his best friend on the team was Brett good. Who was the long snapper that I came in for. Okay. And I knew that. So I was like kind of cautious around them, you know, sure. guys can get kind of weird when their their buddies leave or something like that. So I, uh, this one story I had broken my foot and he and I were both on IR at the time. Um, and I was sitting in the training room on a training table and he looks at me dead in the eyes and he goes, Jake, get up. And I'm like, I like look at him. I like kind of look away. I was like, Oh, he must be talking to somebody else. And he goes, Jake, get up. <laughs> and I'm like, like looking around. I like point at me. He goes, yeah, Jake. I go, I'm Tate. And he goes, pep. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I thought you were Jake Ryan. And so like he kind of messing <laughs> around, like he had played with Jake Ryan for a couple of years at that point. I think he was more messing with him. But at that time I had Aaron Rodgers like yelling at me, calling me the wrong name. And I was like, Oh my God. what do I do? <laughs> but I mean, he was a good guy in the locker room quiet guy pretty cool yeah um so i 
I mean, I know, you know, you're, you're the long snapper and like, I, I, the, the quarterback dynamic is endlessly fascinating to me and I'm sure everybody else. And, um, I don't know, like stories coming out during the preseason guys, apparently in the locker room saying that, like, we think we have a better chance to win with Jimmy. Um, I'm not going to ask you necessarily that question because it's, and I, you know, I know you're not in a spot to necessarily answer it, but like, how weird is it? Is it like, is it as weird in the locker room when there is a sort of unique quarterback dynamic that you guys have had? Um, is it as weird as like, we all think it might be from the outside? Like, oh gosh, like even last year, like Jim, Jimmy's the starting quarterback and they drafted Trey to replace him and everybody around, everybody outside the team, including us talking about it on podcasts or like, it's got to be weird. It's got to be an awkward dynamic. And then, you know, Jimmy coming back, like how tangible is that for a football team? Just like inside the building, how much do you guys care about that stuff? I mean, when Trey got hurt and Jimmy hopped in and we kind of knew what to expect going forward, like Jimmy's going to be our quarterback. It's like, Oh, we got Jimmy back. So like, (laughs) that's cool. Like nobody knew you know, what was going to happen at the end of camp? Were we going to keep them? Were we going to let them go trade them? You know, all, all the scenarios that were there and it would, it's a damn shame Trey got hurt and you never want to see that in the league, especially a young guy um, with as many, you know, talents and, and weapons that he has. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we kept Jimmy few, like let's ride like let's go yeah, let's ride <laughs> jimmy garoppolo let's ride <laughs> i mean i think it's just like oh we got the band back together like let's go for it like who knew this was going to be the scenario that happened let's let's just go for it and what? You know, it's, it's better than them like shipping jimmy off earlier in the off season bringing in another quarterback and then like dropping in his lap i think that would have been weird but it's jimmy sure. yeah Jimmy. <laughs> that's a, that's the thing with Jimmy. Yeah, everybody seems to like Jimmy. Um, he just seems like an incredibly low maintenance personality. That's that's sort of the impression I get. And I've had I've had people tell me, you know, one one somebody I know in the organization was like, it's kind of weird, like how low maintenance and okay Jimmy is with this whole entire situation. Because like plenty of guys I think would have been upset with the fact like in Jimmy's shoes, there are a lot of players who would have been like, man, screw this. Like they, they drafted my replacement. Like, why would I want to stick around here? Why would I want to help them? Why would I want to take a pay cut and stay? Are is that sort of, I mean, do you think that's unique? Like, do you notice that about Jimmy that he's just sort of this unique personality kind of willing to just, I don't know, be, be, be okay with the situation where a lot of people probably wouldn't be. Um, I don't know Jimmy like super well. We've gone out to dinner a couple times with with some guys and stuff, but like I think it's a mix of like a little bit of personality, but just how much of a professional he is. Yeah. I think he gets it. I think he gets the bigger picture. And I think he's not one to really get offended. And if he does, he hides it well and he might use that as as fuel um in games and practices and stuff. I mean, he lives a pretty charmed life. It seems like even <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> um, all right. So there was an incident, uh, I guess multiple incidents now between Robbie gold and Jalen Ramsey. Um, two guys at <laughs> the two guys at very different positions. Um, it looks like some shit talking. 
Is there anything you can say about that? I mean, I, I know Robbie a little bit. I talked to him. I talked to Robbie mostly about golf, to be honest. But like, is there any insight? Because you were there. Like, what's what's that dynamic like when an all pro cornerback and a longtime potential kicker, Hall of Famer, <laughs> future Hall of Famer, potentially? Like, what's that? What's what's being said in a situation like that? And what's your perspective on it? I mean, there's some general trash talking, but what I will say is Robbie is an incredibly smart dude, smart football player. Um, if he's doing something, it's usually for a reason. So you think it was provoked is what you're, is well, what you're hinting at. I think it was, it started with Jalen. Right. And Robbie's going to do the smartest thing. Well, what's the smartest thing? <laughs> Okay. buttons <laughs> all right push some buttons yeah i mean it seems to be working whatever it is with the rams we actually had we we had debo on um the podcast earlier this week and i was i was asking about the rams because he his i mean the numbers are crazy for him against the rams and he's like far better from a production standpoint against the rams than anybody else and i asked him like what is it about the rams and even alluded to like the aaron donald shit talking saying he doesn't know who Debo Samuel is a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> but one thing Debo said, which I thought was, was kind of amazing. He's like, yeah, we don't even view the Rams as rivals. <laughs> and he said, he said, you guys view the Seahawks as, as more of your, your rival. Is that, is that real? Do you think, or is that something uh, where Debo is just kind of doing a backhanded slap in the face of the Rams and not really giving them time of day? I think once you get to the NFL, I think you can kind of make make of it how you want it. Like, I think that might just be a personal feeling of his. Yeah. Because for me, I feel that there is kind of an old school rivalry with the Rams. And the way I feel when I play them and like when there are interactions and, and when I'm preparing for them, the feeling I get is very similar to like Michigan week. I played at Michigan State and it kind of to me, it, it, I have that air about myself whenever we're about to play them. Um, and again, I think it is truly personal because, you know, you want to call it a rivalry game. Well, we're eight and the last four years in the regular season. And the thing that elevates it for me was, especially after last year, they, they won the one that counted. Right. Right. So, you know, obviously we had to beat them at the end of the season to get into playoffs, but like, to me, they, they won the one that counted and like that just raised the stakes for me when I play them. So yeah, I think rivalries in the NFL are kind of what you make them. So I think sure. that's kind of where we're at. Okay. So you guys have a new special teams coach this year, Brian Schneider, um, replacing Richard Hightower. I'm curious, like, you know, it, to, to fans, I think they might look at a special teams hire and think it doesn't you know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference to them. Like fans only care about special teams coaches. If, if guys are screwing up or doing cool, like fakes or whatever, um, from your perspective as a long snapper, how does a, a having a new special teams coach change, like what your off season is like, what your regular season is like, just the whole dynamic that, that you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. What's that like when you have a new long, uh, a new special teams coach? Um, you mentioned day-to-day, -day. like day-to-day -day doesn't change a whole bunch. Kind of what they harp on changes, obviously, uh, what's important to them. Um, but I think there's, I was thinking about it as you were asking it, and I don't know how to word this correctly, but I think there's a trickle-down effect and there's a trickle-up effect. And what I mean by that is there's 
philosophies and techniques that were being taught by coach Schneider that people can use as a wide receiver. They can use as a linebacker. There's different drills that we do that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's a football drill. You can use it on special teams. You can use it on kickoff return, or you can use it um, as a linebacker ripping and shedding uh, uh, an, an O-lineman or a tight end coming at you. So um, I think I think a special teams coordinator can affect the team more than a lot of people think um, mm-hmm. because there's different special teams. Coaches can bring a different mindset as well um, because those those guys who are kind of teetering on like active, inactive, that can be pulled up for special teams. Those guys are going to affect the game too if they're like the four or the five receiver or right. like the <clears throat> the fifth D lineman or something like that. And, you know, you want dogs on special teams who are just going to run through people and it, it just kind of trickles out. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys deal with a lot of injuries. I'm curious if like, if it's an underrated aspect of being on special teams, like, cause as the season goes along, you deal with a lot of injuries and you have a lot of guys being promoted from the practice squad and coming in off the street. Is it, it does it get pretty difficult as a season goes on when you're dealing with injuries, maybe more so um, than offense and defense where there's like a system that's long established where maybe you're shuffling more guys on special teams um, because those guys are sort of on the margins of the roster than, than you would be for maybe offensive defense. Like what's that challenge like during a season? Um, sometimes this is universal. It's not just here. This is something I've, I've witnessed everywhere I've gone is like, there's the normal roster shuffle for the offensive defense. And then depending on coaches, maybe the special teams coach can convince a coach, like, can you elevate this guy? Because not only can you use him here, but we can use him on punt. We can use him on kickoff and we can use him on kickoff return. Whereas if you brought this guy up, we can only use him on punt return and kickoff. It's, and there's a puzzle pieces that way. And, you know, if there's a certain game plan in like, who knows if it's, if it's a run heavy, whoever the offensive coaches might need a guy who's really good at run blocking to be like the three or four. Well, that might not be the guy that the special teams need. So then there's all sorts of math there's shifting and shuffling and it's just kind of, it, it, it's on every team too. So. Sure. So as like, I'm just always fascinated by sort of the process that that players have each week. Like what is, what is film like watching film, like for you as a long snapper, like what are you looking at when you, when you get an upcoming opponent, I I take it, you watch film on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Tuesdays. Okay. So it's like, it, it kind of depends because I have an idea of like, like now it's so funny how much you learn each year. Like now I kind of know once coordinators move around, it's it's coordinator based obviously whereas like before when i first got in the league i'm like oh the raiders do this oh or the the ravens do this and right. now you realize okay well in the off season i i remember well this guy from la went to the vikings and and he went here and this is kind of the stuff that they do so it's kind of nice the longer you play you know what to expect when you're facing certain teams so like um when we were playing the chiefs like i've played the chiefs a couple times now um it's like 
they're very return centric on punt. So when we're punting, they want returns more than trying to get a block. Um, so you kind of have an idea. So <clears throat> for those teams, you know, I'll, I'll watch it like Tuesday and Wednesday, but um, again, and another thing is, is once you know the coordinator, their philosophy, what I look at is uh, what formations do they run out of? Um, I mean, it's hard to show without pictures, but like, sure. are they a lot of overload? Like if they do overload is the guy on the backside, it's, is he over the guard or is he over the tackle? Because if that, that backside three is over the guard, he could pick me and two loopers from the overload could come. So like, right out of each formation, if you just show me one, like in my head, I can kind of like, I don't even know how to explain it. Right. I can just see three or four different rushes that can come out of it. Right. And like, that's how I prepare is like, okay, they run this formation. I've seen them run this and run that. And then this, and then that. And then I kind of like have an idea of what to expect when I see a new formation, like in front of me. Who's who's like a who do you play with on special teams, like special teams teammates you have right now who are like awesome at what they do, who might not necessarily get notoriety for it? Uh George Odom. Um okay, like what's George Odom do? Because like I got fast. and that's not like a disrespectful question. Yeah. It's like because they, they signed him and it's like, oh, all pro special teamer. And I thought he would be like exclusively a gunner, but he's, he's not, he lines up, he lines up at gunner, but I think he's elsewhere too. Right. He's our PP. Yeah. So what's, what, what makes him good at that PP job? Um, Pun protector, personal protector. protector, Yep. Um, Again, like me, when you see a formation, you kind of have to be like, okay, they can run this and they can run that. So like, it's just a different thing. If, if certain people are on the line or stacked, the way that they're stacked and which side they're stacked on, he knows which way to send me. And that just takes film reps um, of just watching it over and over again. And like, uh, like understanding the why as to why are you sending me left? Why are you sending me right? Sending me right. Are you, you know, is it what they're showing or is it something that we're just trying to protect like the, like uh, Mitch's punt leg or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's just keeping that in mind. And then also watching him down the field. Um, if it's like, you know, a certain front where he can get out, just watching him as soon as he surveys, sees nobody's, you know, penetrating the line, he's just out there. And then when he's like, his acceleration is insane. Once he gets down the field and someone gets in his face, like the waggle that he has while he's in stride is ridiculous. And his motor is just a hundred all the okay. time. Okay. And then Oren Burks um, uh, form and technique wise is like teach tape, like all, all OTAs, like Schneider, like teaches a certain way of like blocking. He teaches a certain way of doing this and that Um, give Oren like two or three reps and then a little bit of coaching on each one. And then he just turns into teach tape, like constantly. He just, he's a technician. he, He does things the right way. How good of a year is Mitch having? Feels pretty like baller. he's having a pretty good year. It's funny because it's like, you know, we give him crap like, oh, well, what's your net? But it doesn't <laughs> matter because everybody's getting pinned in the 2015 10 yard line. Right. So I don't uh, have the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he's he's got to be up near the top of the league and yeah, and pin percentage or pinned punts, whatever it is. Yeah. And he has uh he has incentives for those in his contract. So wow, he's 30. 30 what? 
Forgot. Mitch is 30 years old. Oh, yeah. He's Man, he's... I, <laughs> I, he's, I feels like he... I mean, he just he was, got in the uh, league in 2019. Yeah, he was 27 when he was a rookie. Wow, yeah. I didn't realize he was that old. He was working like a big kid job over in Australia before he decided to punt. Right, yeah. Him and I both went to Santa Barbara City College. Shout out, Vaqueros. Um, he anyway. Was, uh, he was a, a glass, a glazier, somebody who sets glass into windows. That That's cool. I like Mitch. He's a, he's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Second half of the season coming up you got you you mentioned christian mccaffrey um the chargers game you have four or five at home coming up and then your one road game quote unquote road game is going to be in mexico city against arizona um do you guys look at that like look at the schedule and look what the stretch is and be like i know you know one game at a time and you never want to look too far ahead i understand i i know the mindset that you guys generally have but I would have to think there's some element of human nature being like if, if being in your position on, on your team, looking at it like, man, four or five at home, some winnable games here. Do you look at it like, man, we could go on a run here like that? That's that's pretty realistic. Because I do. I, we yeah. had a predictions pod and I was like, I think I think they're going to go on a run. I mean, if you think it, I'll take it. Like, <laughs> let's go. I, it's just every week is just a new, I just can't, I know we play the chargers and I know we play Arizona. And if I had to guess who we play after that, I would say uh, uh, 21st. And then I, would I have say the answer Tam- for you. Tampa Bay dolphins saints. Yeah. So uh, oh, reverse I right. order. I, normally reverse order. I, it's, oh, okay. it's saints. It's saints dolphins bucks. Okay. 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 I mean, I'm just a week to week guy. If you normally <laughs> like, if this Mexico trip wasn't like just hanging there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Normally, I would just have no clue until the week of, like, oh, who do we play next? Because like after a game, I'll just be like, all right, who do we like? Yeah. Okay, the Mexico trip. That brings up another another good question uh, that I want to ask you about. You guys have done the extended stays um, on the East Coast. Uh, you you did it between weeks. Gosh, uh, five and six this year. You did it a couple times last year. I think a couple times last year. I know you did a couple times in 2019, um, but or the team did. What what is that like as a player? And is there an element of just kind of exhaustion from being back home? Like, what's the balance like as a player when you're like, all right, yeah, we saved some air miles maybe, but um, we're also like away from everybody. I know Kyle Shanahan likes to avoid distractions maybe that you might it. have it you you like it i love it what so what what do you like about it because it does feel like there's an element of when you guys get back you don't seem to play as well or at least your record would indicate you don't play as well when you get back from those long trips um i love it because personally it feels like a another bye week in a way and by that i mean it kind of just breaks up the monotony of the season like okay the one, you know, the one thing is like, you know, you don't have your facilities to use, which you get used to, you know, where everything is. Uh, there's extra stuff that another facility wouldn't have. Um, but I like it because it just kind of breaks it up and it does feel like a, um, it, it feels like a mini vacation kind of personally. Okay. I mean, the Greenbrier isn't a bad place to hang out for a week, I guess. Yeah. Casino it- treated me very, very well this time. Oh, yeah. What do you play? Blackjack. Okay. So you want you hit on sixteen? Uh, I did this trip and it served me well. All right, I flip flop. Normally, when I walk in, I have to go. 
I'm not going to hit on every 16. And then other times I have to go, I have to hit on every 16. You can't see for me, I, I can't go back and forth. I just got to stick to one I just plan. Stick to, but it, it start like when I walk in, I have to decide and yeah. then I'll stick to it. But I, sometimes it's just so scary. <laughs> you see, sometimes there's so many small cards right in a row. And you're like a big one's coming. I know it. <laughs> who's uh, who's fun to play cards with on the team. Actually, uh, our social media head, uh, Patty Kwan. Yeah. We play love Patty. Big, big fan of Patty. Shout out to Patty. She sat next to me at my table for three hours, I think. Oh, wow. And she knows that she and I know the game very, very well. I mean, once you have the book memorized. And so right. we were like, we looked like, I think the guy, I think the guy actually said, cause we had a couple of people coming in and out and with how well we know the book um after an hour of us being there the dealer was like okay i'm gonna be honest i thought you two guys were counting cards for a little bit and <laughs> i thought you guys had people cheating for you because we I, were winning a lot i don't know how to count card. well i know how to but i'm i don't do it well so i can't do it i get so mixed up yeah. anyway but yeah he was like i thought you guys were counting cards because you guys know this game really well and the way that your friends were coming in and out was very suspicious <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the first time i ever thought i was playing well enough to get con- like considered maybe cheating were you guys playing on a shoe was it like five deck deck? shoe yeah, yeah. okay Six yeah that's deck, yeah. it's hard to it's real hard to count cards on a shoe um yeah. all right so you have like if if you know our, our listeners can hear you have a very good mic set up and it looks like you have the headphones and everything what what do you what do you do with your setup because i know you have stuff away from football that you like to do and it's a free chance to plug your stuff that's what i'm giving yeah. you here. um i used to stream quite a bit on twitch now i'm i think when i'm doing my live streams it's on my youtube channel taper snapping okay. uh and then i've been doing a lot of like pokemon <laughs> trading card content lately that's <laughs> been my main thing but i got back into it in august and it's a ton of fun and i'm learning a lot and it's funny because like you can actually invest pretty well and make a pretty good penny if you know what you're doing like this one case that i bought of pokemon cards i bought for like 850 bucks in august and it's already worth double that um right now and it's only going to go up because it's a really popular set but that's kind of what i've been doing real life crypto sort of (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's an actual asset well what's <laughs> funny is is uh lindsey polaris our our sideline um reporter mentioned in a podcast with me that she had old pokemon cards so she brought these to the locker room today and i'm gonna look through these and oh you're um, you're like her appraiser so I, i'm gonna give her a quote and <laughs> of how much about this is worth and i'm gonna pay her for these cards so. oh wow yeah, shout out to Lindsay, also a friend of the pod. Very, um, very old cards, vintage. <laughs> very good cards. Okay, good. Uh, all right, well, I think that's all I got for you. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out. Um, oh, yeah. I know, you know, most NFL guys are, are I mean, I, not that you're not busy, but I, you guys are, you're super busy, and uh, and I know your time is very valuable. So appreciate that. Um, good luck. Much. Good luck the rest of the way, Sunday night against the Chargers. Stay healthy, please, and uh, and hopefully we'll we'll talk to you guys soon. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. All right, Cooper's six pack time. 
we pick six players that we think are going to have the biggest impact or tell the story of Sunday's game. I missed this bit last week during the bye. I kind of wanted to do like a bye week six pack where we picked our six favorite Cooper's beers or something. All of them? All, this is, it's, just a, it's the six pack. We've got to do like 19 I just picks. Pick, pick all of the beer because it's all good. Um, we Yeah, we could have done something. We could have done like no, the Detroit no. Lions defense. <laughs> You'd have taken Aiden Hutchinson, number one. You love A. Hutch. I'm big, big Aiden Hutchinson guy. Yeah. Just love his motor. <laughs> love his motor. <laughs> Very good. So uh, you pick first this week. Okay. I won last week on a landslide because I had Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. So W for me. All right. So I'm gonna go with Jeff Wilson Jr. is not on the team anymore, by the way. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Wow. All right. Just let me cross his name off here then. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Super chalk pick at this point, but it's kind of impossible not to. And I do think he's gonna be kind of a focal point of the offense. I think. He's going to be used on third down a lot. I think he's going to be used in the passing game as much, or if not more than anybody. He led the team in both targets and receptions uh, when the 49ers last played against the Rams. Got eight of nine targets. I've harped a lot about how invaluable a good check down option for Jimmy Garoppolo seems to be because Jimmy Garoppolo's worst plays tend to be when he doesn't have his check down option. Because God knows he's never throwing it away. Um, so defensively, like if Derwin James is taking away George Kittle, or if um, you know Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are covered, like Christian McCaffrey has the potential to have another big game, like he did against the Rams. And I just think Kyle Shanahan is going to feature him in a bunch of different ways. And it's not like it, I'm not using a bunch of my brain power to make this pick. I just think he's going to get a lot of touches. And uh, and I think he's got, like like I said it in the prediction, the, the second half of the season predictions pod, I would not be shocked at all if this guy had 150 yards from scrimmage in each and every game going forward. And so right. that's, that's why I'm picking him. My guess is he's going to be the first or second pick in every single one of these moving forward because I'm not sure that the 49ers have a Super Bowl caliber offense without him. And if they're going to make a run, it's going to be because of number 23. Yeah. I think Debo would have to get back to where he was last year. And we just haven't seen that yet. And I don't know if it's because he's getting defended differently or what, but yeah, it's not without Christian McCaffrey, like what we saw the first few games or the first stretch of the season the 49ers had without him, I'm, I think you're right. Like, that offense was not a Super Bowl-caliber offense. So, oddly enough, I think we are going to see that version of Debo, and I'm going to take him in his first game back from a hamstring injury. He didn't play against the Rams. The Candlecron bump. Yeah. I, I think that... I think that... I don't know if the the running stuff is going to open up as much for him. But I think when we talk about just like the little creases that get generated by the presence of Christian McCaffrey, a linebacker having to take one step up or one step toward the flat because he has to make a decision on, on staying in the middle of the field or, or going and getting McCaffrey. I think those little creases that open up are where Debo is going to feast. 
So it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know if he's going to first game off a hamstring injury, if he's going to have, you know, 12 or 13 or 14 touches. I don't think it's going to be something like that, but I think it could be a low volume of touches with a high volume of production where he gets maybe six or seven touches and turns it into a hundred plus yards and a touchdown. Do you remember that play? And we've talked about it a lot, so you probably do. It was the preseason game against the Raiders uh, two mm-hmm. two preseasons ago, where you where Jalen Hurd remember Jalen Hurd mm-hmm. when he yeah, was still a football player mm. um, ran a fake one way, and then you had two options. I think two options out of the backfield that you could that the Ford, that Trey Lance almost faked to. Yeah, and he ended like up a, giving it, it to like Elijah Mitchell. Jet sweep with like his own read. You can run that with two all pros now. Yeah. It could either be Debo on a jet sweep or a jet sweep fake while Christian McCaffrey's holding the linebacker or you give it to, or the linebacker or DB like goes with Debo and guys are rotating over because they're, fa- they're factoring the Debo jet sweep. And then you give it to McCaffrey. Like that's, or, or that's, you could do it with McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. Right. Right. Like there's, right. there's a lot you can do. Um, so yeah, I, I like that pick. I, I just think the way Kyle Shanahan can put, could potentially play Debo and McCaffrey off of each other, I think could just be sort of devastating to defenses. All right. Um, so Rashawn Slater on injured reserve done for the year, the chargers mm-hmm. really, really good left tackle. Um, so I'm going to go super chalk with my first two picks. And don't worry, I'm going to go just as hipster as I possibly can for the last pick. Dan Brunskill. <laughs> no, that's I'm not. I'm staying off Dan Brunskill Island. That's your that's your territory. It's nice and cozy, dude. <laughs> you, you got an electric fence built around that place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking Nick Bosa. For obvious reasons, he's going up against Terrible. a backup. He, yeah, he's going up against a backup tackle. Um, Justin Herbert's banged up and Nick Bose is fresh off of a bye. I just, if you listen to this podcast, you don't, you already know why we'd ever pick Nick Bosa in this discussion. Um, so it's an incredibly chalky pick. I'm not trying to take credit for being intelligent here. I just think it's like (laughs) (laughs) Nick Bosa against a backup offensive lineman. I just think he has a he has a chance to eat on on Sunday, so I'm going Nick Bosa. Christian McCaffrey and Nick Bosa, good at football. Subscribe rate review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the white guys. God, well, I go three for three on white guys. Stay tuned. Uh, oh boy, that's <laughs> that's it. That's that's tough. So, so I'm going to take. I'm also going to go mostly shock with my second pick, but I'm going to take. Fred Warner because Justin Herbert has an average depth of target this year of 6.8, which is uh, like bottom third of the league, which is crazy given his talent and his arm talent. But the chargers are banged up at receiver. Looks like they probably won't have Keenan Allen. They won't have Mike Williams, their top two receivers. And I don't, I don't know that the Chargers are going to have a ton of answers like down the field. And I think they're going to try and lean heavily on Austin Eckler as a pass catcher. They don't run the football while the Chargers don't. So I think it's going to be a lot of short stuff to Austin Eckler out of the backfield. 
um, lining them up in the slot. And when teams are trying to control the flat and control the middle of the field, that's where Fred Warner comes to play. So I think we're going to see a lot of Fred Warner either flying in on screens designed for Eckler or checkdowns to Eckler or um, just kind of design plays designed for him uh, when he's out in a route. So I think Fred Warner is going to have a sizable impact on this game. And if it's one of those games where the Chargers put up like 13, I think it's going to be a lot because of what Fred Warner does in the second level. Austin Eckler has 10 touchdowns in the last five games. Yeah, man. He's it. He's their offense. Six rushing and four receiving. Yeah, so Fred Warner's a great a great pick here. He's caught damn, he's caught 39 of 48 targets. Um, he's basically the Chargers version of Christian McCaffrey at this point. That's wild. Yes. Um good little player. Yeah, so- I think for the uh, <laughs> for the 49ers to win, which I think they're probably going to. Um, the Chargers are just so banged up and the Niners are getting healthier coming off a bye. Uh, but Warner's a really good pick because for them to beat the Chargers, they need to limit Austin Eckler and Warner's the guy. That's it. That's it. Like that's, that's the extent of the Chargers offense right now. And maybe Deandre Carter or somebody like that has a, has a huge game out of nowhere, but I'm not going to necessarily bet on that. Um, Justin Herbert has thrown so Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown three 133 passes between on behind the line of scrimmage and, and short so z- zero to nine yards or shorter so behind the line of scrimmage um Justin Herbert is well over 200 of those types of throws wow it's wild not bad he just, doesn't throw it down the field, which is weird because he has a bazooka on his right arm. Something's weird with the Chargers. It's very strange. 231 of those of his throws have been behind the line of scrimmage or within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. Very odd. That's crazy. Keenan he, Allen's banged he, up. He gets the hell out of them, though. They're five and three. What? Did you see how they beat the Falcons? There's like less than a minute left uh, yeah. and they're driving and Austin Eckler fumbles. Falcons defender picks it up and is rumbling towards midfield and just drops the football. Oh, and the Chargers recover two completions, kick the game winning field goal. Thanks. Brutal. Tough scene. Tough scene for the uh for the Falcons. Okay. Um this is gonna be as hipster as possible. It's also gonna be pandering to the guest who we're actually recording this earlier before uh, our expected guests that we're going to have on Thursday. Um, so hopefully this all makes sense, but uh, this is going to run. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to run after, after we have Tab- Tabor Pepper on the pod. The, of course, the 49ers long snapper. Um, two 49ers players on the pod in the same week, by the way. Good job by us. Uh, hopefully. Really big time by us. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> Tabor Pepper, my last pick. Of the Cooperage six pack. <laughs> Listen, man, the kicking game's important. If yep. if the game's close, every field goal is gonna be gonna be uh magnified. You can't have bad snaps in situations yeah. like that. 
Um, Tabor Pepper's been nails for the 49ers, obviously. And uh, a return podcasting guest. So, yeah. I went I went so chalk with McCaffrey and Bosa with my first two picks that I have room here to <laughs> to take the long snapper. I know that's not adding any analysis to the game, but my expectation for the game is that I'm grading Niners... every snap. <laughs> my expectation for the game is that the 49ers roll the Chargers because the 49ers are getting healthier. They're coming off their bye. The Chargers are really banged up. I don't trust Brandon Staley at all. I don't trust Justin Herbert to be healthy. I don't trust his pass catchers. They're missing Rashawn Slater, Nick Bosa, uh, and a whole Joey lot Bosa. of sorry, Joey Bosa. Well, they don't have Nick Bosa, so the point they, they are missing Nick Bosa. You're <laughs> They're right. missing Nick Bosa. They're missing Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, all the, the players the Chargers don't have. The Chargers are missing a lot of important guys. Um, so Mike Williams is out. Um, I think that just came out that Mike Williams there. So there, there's a chance that they're missing their top two receivers. They're starting left tackle, their top cornerback, JC Jackson. Um, obviously Joey Bosa. I just, yeah, I think the Niners, there's a decent chance the Niners just roll. So uh, I, I don't, I don't know if like, I'm I'm actually just making an excuse for myself to to not analyze this game and just pick Tabor Pepper. Sick. <laughs> I am going to analyze it a little bit. If that's okay, okay, great. Yeah, you're doing a better okay. job on this than me, even though I'm probably going to win this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the two right guards. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I am taking a guy that, that you did take last week, though, and that's Mike McGlinchey, and here's why. Okay. If I hate that. I'm so sorry. I hate. And here's why I'm going to, and let me tell you why. Like, okay, great. You're already talking like the, the person listening is not going to interrupt. Right. A little redundant. So <laughs> I'm taking Mike McGlinchey because if something is going to go wrong for the Niners offense on Sunday night, it's going to be a player like Khalil Mack just destroying the game and having three sacks and forcing a fumble and tipping a pass that gets intercepted and I think he's going to line up over Mike McGlinchey a lot. He and Nate Bo- uh, Joey Bosa typically don't switch sides when when they play. Him and Nick Bosa don't switch sides either. That's correct. Yeah, he does not switch sides with Nick Bosa. But he and Joey Bosa don't switch sides a lot. So um, with Bosa out, though, he flips around. And I think that we'll see him over McGlinchey a lot. And if he destroys that matchup, like I said, and comes up with a turnover or two and uh, creates a bunch of negative plays, it could be a problem for the 49ers. But if McGlinchey holds his own and keeps Mac from wrecking the game, I have a hard time seeing how the Chargers are going to stop the 49ers. So, uh, Mike McGlinchey. I like it. Thanks. Big, big story of the game pick right there. Love that. Yeah. Um. So, I'm often wrong a lot, particularly about the 49ers, but... Often wrong a lot. Just, and very redundant. And let me tell you why. (laughs) Um, No, like, I think we're going to come out of this game. My prediction is when we record next week, we're going to be talking about, all right, have the 49ers sort of reannounced themselves as contenders? Because they've sort of been tiptoeing around it. Like, they'll, you think like, oh, the Niners are good. They've gone, you know, they went to the NFC Championship game last year. They have good skill guys, good defense, et cetera, et cetera. But then they lose to like Atlanta and then get blown out by the Chiefs. And then they sort of 
get their footing back, obviously, against the Rams. I think with Christian McCaffrey getting another week to indoctrinate himself into the offense with guys generally getting healthier, um, if the 49ers do roll the Chargers like I'm sort of expecting, I think it might be a week of like, yeah, the 49ers might be back in the NFC because really the conversation in the NFC right now is like, who's good? Right. Right. It's like Philadelphia is good. And then it's a bunch of teams that feel like they're they're punching above their weight class while the 49ers are just kind of hanging out there at four and four currently in the seventh seed. Um, <laughs> and also and also it's looking like the Niners winning over the Rams is like not super impressive. True. That's A, fair. because they beat them so often and B, because the Rams might just not be very good. So f- four to the next five 49ers games are at Levi Stadium. And the one game that isn't is the game in Mexico city against Arizona and the faithful will probably travel pretty well to that game. I would, I would assume based on how well the faithful games. Um, so I, I think there's an opportunity for the 49ers to go on a run. Here. Home I, games, especially <laughs> wow, the faithful really showed up. Um, no, the, I, I just think four out of the five, next five at home, like, all these games seem really winnable. And then you have the Seahawks game uh, December 15th on that Thursday. So if there's a 40, if there's a game on the schedule for the 49ers be like, we're here, we're contenders. It's this week against the chargers because with how banged up the chargers are, the Niners should, should put it on. them pretty good. And I think there's still a lot of stuff that's not on film that they can do with Christian McCaffrey, obviously Andy Bo Samuel, because we haven't mm-hmm. even seen them on the field together and we should. Um, so that's my expectation coming out of this week. And maybe I'm wrong. Cause like I said, I'm wrong a lot often. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, four out of the next five at home, I think there's an opportunity here for the 49ers to, uh, to make a run. And if they don't, I think it would be really disappointing because the roster is loaded. These games are winnable and, uh, and they just got Christian McCaffrey who was awesome before the bye week. So I think the Niners should go on a run here. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Like when you look at their schedule before the year, and this is why it's so hard to project schedule strength, right? Because when you looked at the schedule before the year, it's like, man, the Saints, they might be pretty good. And oh, the Bucks are going to be really good. And oh, the Dolphins, uh, the Dolphins are good though. But uh, the the Cardinals, uh, oh man, the Cardinals are going to be really tough. The Raiders, they might win the AFC West. And now it looks like the Chargers and the Dolphins are like the two toughest games left on their schedule. And the Chargers are so banged up that they're a shell of the team that was supposed to be competing in that. The Seahawks game is going to be tough. But I remember, didn't we like, didn't we do a an exercise where we like drafted the best games on the schedule after this, after the schedule came out? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we did something where we, we went through so like so many podcasts. Dude. The, yeah. We've, we've got like <laughs> 500 episodes. We're um, closing in on 500. <laughs> we, I remember like going through and like identifying the biggest games and we, we obviously said the chiefs game and then we said the, uh, the bucks game. And now like, I don't know, maybe the bucks get going by then. I still think they're one of those teams who could just be kind of laying in the weeds and then they figure it out and get on a roll once they get healthier. Um, but maybe not, who knows, but Arizona seems bad. The saints seem bad. Dolphins, obviously good. Tampa's really struggling. Seahawks, Good, obviously. Um, a game up on the 49ers in, in the division. Washington stinks. The Raiders stink. And then you, you end the season with a home game against Arizona, and we were pretty sure they stink. So there are a lot of opportunities to to pile up some wins here. 
And although uh, division games are always tough. They are. You throw out the record in the division games, but um, but like I, I'm sticking hey. with my with my prediction from the previous episode or an earlier episode this week where I said 49ers are gonna go to the Super Bowl. There, I don't nothing happened in the last two days for me to back off that take, Kyle. So <laughs> Very good. Good. I'm except, glad. except Samson Abukam getting hurt at a bonus practice. It, dude, these bonus practices, you just chalk up. The Niners are going to lose somebody to injury on these bonus practices. Really it weird. happens. You go, you go all the way back to Jarek McKinnon tearing his ACL in one of these bonus practices. Yeah. It is wild how many injuries the 49ers have in controlled environments of practice. It, I don't get it. I never will. Whatever. But really, the only thing impeding them from going on a run here is probably injuries. Especially since I picked Samson Abukam, yes, in our in our prediction pod to have a big second half. Mm, yeah, it's particularly brutal. Hey, I have a small piece of inconsequential news. Sure, this is episode four twenty. Shout out. Is it really? Yeah. Huh. I wonder if that means anything to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a jet. This was uh, this was fun. Sure was. We thanks should do it again thanks sometime. for. Thanks for Tabor. Hopefully, hopefully Tabor d- does come on the podcast yeah, and this all conver- lines up. That's just a really good conversation with Tabor. Yeah. Oh man, love talking to Tabor. It was really good to to catch up with him. <laughs> and I'm glad that I'm glad that I just kind of hung off to the side and let you two chat. Right. No, that was that was great. Obviously, yeah, you had just a bunch of good questions that I just felt like, nah, I don't got to ask. One. <laughs> hopefully, this all makes sense by the time it comes out. Um, it would but- be. I think it would be extra funny if it didn't. If he was like, guys, I got to cancel. <laughs> and, then we, and then we just run this this pick six. Like, yeah, we talked to Tabor Pepper. It was great. Super fun. Great conversation. Yeah. And in case we didn't talk to Tabor Pepper, really sorry, everybody. <laughs> sorry we didn't deliver. Tabor, Don't listen Tabor. to the Debo pod again. If you need to listen to this <laughs> All right. Uh, got to run. Subscribe, rate, and review. Check out Cooperage. Where... Cooperagebrewing.com. Cooperagebrewing.com order beer from there they'll ship anywhere from the state of california 21 and up obviously go to the brewery in santa rosa they're always dropping delicious beer follow follow cooperage on instagram they announce all their beer drops and uh i mean it's all it's all just a1 stuff so go check that out and we will talk to you guys later everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body including those involved in hormonal balance from functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.